Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner, an attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. I'm in studio here with Adam Hanson and Cody Beeson. Welcome, gentlemen. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? And we have a special guest this morning. Uh, Lana's been on our show in the past. She is a paralegal here with Deason Garner and Hansen, and it's Lana Leon Guerrero. Yes, good morning. Good morning. And uh, Lana, we've always had really good feedback um, after the shows when you've been on, and I enjoy our shows so much because you provide a perspective that it's difficult to get just from any immediate sources or sources that we have access to generally in the United States, and that is that you grew up in Russia and uh, moved here when you were a young adult, and so you've got a perspective as to what it's like to live here in the United States and what it's like to live in Russia, and uh, a unique perspective on perhaps what's going on in the war and, and how that's affecting not only the Russian people, but your family. and their mindset about what's going on in Ukraine. And so we want to talk about that a little bit this morning. Is that okay? Sounds good to me. So tell me a little bit about, just uh, to remind the audience, where you grew up and when you moved to, I think initially you moved to Germany and then the United States. Correct, yes. I grew up in central Russia in a small rural village. It's called uh, Chuvash Republic or the Republic of Chuvashia. Uh, then um, I went to Germany uh, to continue my education there. So how old were you when you went to Germany? I was 20. Okay. And you had you already graduated from college at that time? I had one year left. So I took uh, one year off to come to Germany to practice my German skills. Uh, then I returned to Russia, graduated from the university I was enrolled in and um, enrolled in a German university for postgraduate pro- in a postgraduate program. Okay, and what were your degrees in? My major is uh, teaching English as a foreign language or pedag- pedagogics, uh, teaching in general. My minor is teaching German as a, a second language and education. And then I have a post-ed uh, degree in uh, some digital processing of linguistic data. After you graduated from uh, your university in Germany. Did you ever move back to Russia or what would happen from there? Um, I never fully moved back to Russia. I did go back one for one year when my husband Anthony was deployed in Afghanistan and I just didn't want to. Even in Germany, I kind of uh, had the tendency of living in rural areas and I did not drive a, a vehicle in Germany. I had to rely solely on public transportation and it was a little hard, especially in winter. Uh, so I moved back to uh, my parents' house in uh, for a year while he was in Afghanistan. And then once he returned, we were reunited. So when did you meet and marry your husband? When? Yeah. Uh, I met him in 2004. Uh, I was still um, a student in Germany and he was stationed there. He was in the, mili- in the army at that time. Um, and then a year later, less than a year later, we just knew it was destiny and we got married and we've been married ever since. So, so did you get married in Germany? Yes. Okay. It wasn't a, a formal wedding. We just uh, went to the Rathaus, which is the town hall uh, version. What's it called? Uh, Rathaus. Ah, the Rathaus. <laughs> yes, not the Rat. <laughs> but yes, close enough. The town hall. Probably spelled differently. Yeah. Okay. And then... Um, we got married and he left for Afghanistan for the first or for the second time. Um, and um, 
a year later when he returned, we went to Russia and my parents threw us a little shindig, a little, uh, you know, a reception for 30 people, which is a lot of people for us, but probably. How easy many. was it for him to um, go and, and travel Yeah, throughout Eastern Europe? Well, I mean, it wasn't that easy. We had to travel. I had to obviously uh, apply for an invitation for him and for a visa for him because his son and his sister and his friend were also uh, willing to come and wanted to join us. So my parents had to uh, submit an official invitation for the four of them. We had to travel, I think, twice to the general consulate, American consulate in Frankfurt. Um, it, it took a lot of time and effort and money. To get them. So yeah, now, does so. he have a open invitation to go visit Russia whenever he likes? No, that was um, a one-time deal. It was for a limited time. I think it was for thirty days or for forty-five days. No, no more than that. A one-time entry. Was it more difficult for you to come to the U.S. when you originally came than it was for him to go to Russia? Um, I think the process is a little different because I came uh, to uh, the United States while I was already married to him. So we applied for a spousal visa for me. So it was not that bad. It was just, uh, again, long. Did, did you run into a lot of people that were skeptical about your marriage, whether it was a sham marriage, just to get entry into the United States and you have to go through this process we see on TV where they're really quizzing you to yeah. determine if this was a valid marriage? Yes, absolutely. Really? Uh, I worked at a bank in Fallon, Nevada, and someone asked me if I was a male order bride. Wow. Dead to my face. <laughs> wow, over the counter? They just uh, it was actually another banker, a, a co-worker. Oh, a co-worker. Asked oh, me, okay. yes. Yeah. And that was the only time when they asked me face, you know, to my face. I'm sure there was... A lot of whisk greens? Uh, yeah, behind uh -huh. my back. Wow. <laughs> so... Laugh it off. You moved to the United States when you were how old? 2009. So, 13 years ago. I was in my 30s, early 30s. Okay. And you lived in Las Vegas, and then he... He's a, a civilian contractor mm -hmm. on MCAS, right, at the yes. base? Yeah. And uh, so you've lived here in Yuma for how many years? Since 2015. Seven, eight years now, eighth year. Yeah. And um, you regularly have correspondence with your family. You went and visited your family for Christmas mm -hmm. in 2021, right? Yes. How was that? Well, it was very cold. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> it was freezing. Um well, it was nice. Uh, it, that was still. Was it, the, was it like surreal to to go back home and to just see a, a big contrast, or or was it something that just everything, all the memories kept flooding back, and and it was normal? I think since I go, I try to go every other year or like once every two three years. Um, the first time when I uh, when we just moved to the United States and I, f I flew home, that was uh, a very surreal trip, and that felt to me that uh, I was just completely in in a different world in a different country. But every progressive time after after every consecutive time after that, it just feels um, you know normal routine almost. And the fact being, um, things in Russia are not much different now. Um, there's internet, there's, uh, you know, you can take an Uber or their version of Uber and Lyft. So all the um, conveniences, life conveniences are there. So it's the contrast is not as bad as it used to be in the 1990s. So that's something I wanted to get into. Um, you lived through the fall of the Soviet Union. Yes. And 
how was that? How was it living in the Soviet Union in a communist regime and that transition into the democracy that it is now? Well, before the Soviet Union fell, there was not much... There was some deficit. Obviously, um, the goods were scarce and hard. Some goods, uh, for instance, clothing, boots, uh, were were hard to come by. Um, some items, of, uh, food items, good candy, chocolate, good wine, um, all those uh, you know items that are not a staple of every day's family. Uh, they were hard to come by unless you knew someone uh, in that industry. Um, but, you know, since I grew up in it and I had nothing to compare that with, uh, it felt just normal to me. Uh, matter of fact, I felt I had a good childhood, despite the fact that I didn't have an iPhone or a computer, never heard about well, neither a computer. Did I, but, right? They, had, they didn't exist back yeah. then. Yeah. Internet, so, what is that? So, bread lines, is that a real thing? Once the Soviet Union fell, yes. It, we refer to that period as dark times. That was when the rations started, when the power outages, brownouts, blackouts started. There was no gas. Uh, there was no propane to cook on. Um, bread, any regular food was hard to come by. Oil, flour, people stocked up on sugar. It was a huge deficit of flour, of sugar, of vegetable oil. Butter, You, if you did not churn your own butter, you would be out of butter. <laughs> So under the Soviet Union, at least you got rations. At least you knew you were going to get your food. It might not have been luxury items, but, yeah. but at least you knew that it was going to be there the next exactly. day. Exactly, yeah. And when it fell, then there was a lot of uncertainty. There how, was a lot of chaos. So how was um, how, that transition? How long did it take to go from the expectation of everyday modest goods to actually being able to go to the supermarket and expect the shelves to have something on it? Oh, well, the supermarkets did not come into the life of average Russians, I think, for a good decade after, like in the beginning, early 2000s, I think, when I started, when I went back from Germany, I still lived in Germany at that time, and I saw a supermarket, and I was frankly taken aback. I, I did not think, you know, Russia was that far ahead, <laughs> or some parts of Russia at least. So that was a big surprise. So your parents are highly educated. Your dad is an anesthesiologist, mm -hmm. and your mother was a history teacher. Mm -hmm. Retired. So can you give me a little um, picture of, of what their lifestyle's like, wh where they live, and, and maybe the automobile that they drive? Uh, they still live in the town that I grew up in. Uh, it's called, uh, it's not even a town, it's a village. Uh, the official status is a village. And um, that's the town that I was born and grew up in. Uh, they live in a two-bedroom condo. Again, that I was, we moved in there while I was when I was seven, I Is believe. It a Soviet-era condo. Yeah, yeah. It was it was built in the eighties, I think, uh -huh. early or late nineteen seventies, even. So it wasn't a private contractor that that. No, built this. it was a government contractor. You could totally tell by the quality of construction. It's it's a very bad quality building it's falling apart at the seams uh the rock is crumbling there's always a fear that the bottom they have like a little lodge a balcony and one corner is sagging now so we're my parents are trying to figure out how to Stay away remedy that yeah or the guests that won't leave that that's their corner <laughs> yeah okay well my niece when she misbehaves <laughs> is that your dog no my niece oh your niece oh i, I thought you <laughs> Put her, 
put it down <laughs> in the basement. So one of the cool things that I talked to Lana about, not too long about this, probably a couple months ago, but we got on the subject of cold storage. I thought this was mm-hmm. super fascinating that uh, you grew up with a hole in the ground where you would put your, and you, they still do, your Absolutely. grandparents, right? My it, parents. Your parents. Oh, so, yeah. and that's going to what Sean is asking, like, what is their lifestyle like? So you have these cold storage holes and they're not, I wouldn't argue they're sophisticated by any means. You haven't, no. you haven't engineered them with cement or anything like that. It's just literally a hole in the ground that you yeah. did, but it's a large hole that you descend into usually with a ladder. Yeah. And, um, it, well, it's a pit and then you, yeah. Put your vegetables, you put your fruits canned in there, goods, yeah. canned goods, anything that needs to be cold, you just you put it down there as a pantry, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Does it stay there year long? Uh, yes. Oh, wow. It's always cold. It's, it's you know, it's uh, under earth, so it maintains a nice cool temperature. Um, so, yes, the, the stuff stays there all year long till we run out of it, and then we replenish it with the new canned goods, and my mom does every season new potato harvest and stuff uh-huh. like that. Carrots, bread beets, and all the good stuff. How large would you say it is? I mean, you, you can fit a few people in there? Um, yeah, I think you can comfortably fit eight people. Wow. I mean, they would still be standing back to back, but uh, I think it's maybe a quarter of this room. Okay. Yeah. So a large walk-in mm-hmm. uh, storage area. I think that's really cool, Sean. Don't you think you're not fascinated as I am by it? I think it is. Yeah, I think it's a cool concept for Russia. I don't think yeah. we're here. <laughs> well, you don't know unless you try. Well, I've dug in the sand before. We don't have very good results. When it, oh, yeah. It's, it's got to be wet. Sand, yeah. yeah. I learned yeah. that the hard way. And, you know, you generally get a lot of critters like scorpions and snakes. And well, that yeah. might be the place where we put our kids when, when yeah. they misbehave. Yeah. It's a great idea. We got to go to break. This is Life, Death, and Law, 560 AM KBLU. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. 